The Series Community Project exists at the intersection of food rights and youth empowerment. This episode explores how this amazing nonprofit organization has been structured to create a sustainable model in support of healthy community. Through volunteering activism, nourishing meals, and education about nutrition and gardening, episode 18 hits a really sweet spot in our collective yearning for goodness. I interviewed the communications director of the organization, Deborah Mermelli, who explained in depth just how powerful the Series Community Project is as a grassroots entity striving to make healing change tangible in the local community. While I have aimed to create episodes that share something wonderful about the world, the Series Community Project really fits the model of the good news that I have been hoping to achieve with the positive fantastic. I visited the Series Community Project garden where food is grown organically to support the Healthy Meals program. I then also got to tour the kitchen facilities where teenagers prepare the food. I highly recommend that you tune in to hear about how this project has been structured, how this model can be shared, and how you can get involved to further the mission of fostering access to health-giving foods in your community. I'm Maureen Atura, and you're listening to The Positive Fantastic. My guest today is Deborah Romelli, the Communications Director for the Series Community Project. Welcome, Deborah. Hi, Maureen. Great to be here. The homemade bread in the hungry mouths of every poor person in every land. Our heart and head, humanity striving. In humble service with our own two hands. Do you so seeds and lovingly sense the earth? Do you so seeds and feel the earth? Humanity, we are in a rebirth. Birth. Growing our foods is so, so delightful. Returning to Eden, all people's true home. A happy mood and positive action. These are our duties wherever we roam. Do you so seeds and lovingly sense the earth? Do you so seeds and feel the earth? Humanity, we are in a rebirth. Humanity, we're in a rebirth. person in every land. 
hearts and heads Humanity striving In humble service With our own two hands Do you so see it And lovingly sense the earth Do you so see it And feel the earth Humanity in a rebirth Humanity We're in a rebirth Growing our foods Is so, so delightful Returning to Eden All people's true home A happy mood A positive action these are our duties wherever we roam. The Series Community Project believes that food is a human right. That's true, we do. There is so much wrapped up in food. It is something that connects and nourishes all of us. Um, but it can also contribute to not nourishing all of us. And mm -hmm. so we believe that access to adequate, healthy, nutritious food is a human right in particular. That's really important to us at Ceres. And there are, like I said, are so many things wrapped up in that. If you look at how we produce food, it can determine not only how healthy we are as individuals, but also how healthy our community is, our water, our air, our planet. And so we really see food as a nexus for so many issues that are pressing and important today. We really um, look at the intersections of that. We look to have our choices have the most positive impact for the, like a triple bottom line of individuals, of community, and of planet. Mm, beautiful. Would you be willing to share some of the cosmology of the series project? Well, I can tell you how we got started, our origin story. We started 14 years ago uh, in Sebastopol, California, in a small church kitchen with four teens cooking meals for people in our community who were going through a serious health challenge. It started as an all-volunteer project um, with those two entwined missions of teaching teens about healthy eating and healthy cooking and giving back to the community and nourishing people who were going through a health challenge. Mm. And today, a lot has changed about Ceres, but over a million meals later, that um, those two core parts of our work are still at the center and the heart of what we do. We're all about empowering teens and nourishing our neighbors through a health challenge, like Beautiful. cancer, heart failure, or diabetes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And those meals are, are available for people for free or sliding scale, right? That's right. We offer our meals We've, with food being a human right. We yeah. feel that nobody should um, have to go through an illness in particular without access to the kind of food that can help them manage their condition, maybe heal from their condition in a lot of cases. And so um, because we're a nonprofit, uh, most of our clients receive their meals completely free of charge, and then the rest receive them at, at low cost on a sliding scale. That's one of the things that makes us unique um, is that mm -hmm. model and also that we serve 
all different ages. We've had clients from two years old all the way up into their late 90s. Not only that, but we prefer to offer meals to the entire family because we know that when somebody's going through a health, serious health crisis or condition, it can be, um, it impacts the whole family. It can be a crisis for the whole family. And our meals do a lot of things. They give a family a moment of normalcy to gather at the table and just enjoy a meal, which is so important. So important. Um, they provide uh, the whole family with an experience of what it's like to eat really healthy, nutrient-dense food. Mm-hmm. That oftentimes people think healthy food isn't going to taste good, right? But we turn that on its head and people find, oh, I actually like this. And so hopefully um, if eating that way is a new experience for a, for a client or a family, with the nutrition education that we wrap into things, um, everybody learns uh, a new way of eating and are inspired to adopt that for the long term. If someone was interested in being on the receiving end of some of these meals and services, where would they be able to access uh, the series community project? So we actually deliver our meals to people's homes, and we um, serve all of Sonoma and Marin counties from three kitchens and two commercial gardens. And they're located, actually one of them is moving this weekend from San Rafael to Novato in Marin County. Mm-hmm. We have two kitchens in Sebastopol and Santa Rosa in Sonoma. Each of those kitchens also has a garden. And um, when a client contacts us by phone or email, we talk to them about our service, Uh, about their life circumstances and their illness to determine if our program is going to be a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. And then once they're enrolled, they can receive anywhere from uh, 8 to 21 meals a week, depending on what program they come on. Mm -hmm. Um, Most programs cover the entire family as well as the individual for up to 24 weeks of service. Included in that is nutrition education and a lot of caring touches beyond just the meals. We know that... um, Healthy food is an important component of, of, of staying healthy, but social connections are too. Mm. If somebody is really lonely and feels isolated, that is really not good for their health. Mm-hmm. So when a delivery angel knocks on their door with a smile and asks them how they're doing and takes a few moments to chat, that really means a lot. Mm. When they open their bag of meals and they find a handmade card, from one of our community members or a school, we have school children who make cards for series clients mm. or the teens who are cooking the meals. Or a bouquet that, of flowers that from the garden. their day or a bouquet of flowers from our garden, right? Yeah. So we look to, um, to show our clients through the beauty of the meals, but also through those little extra touches that they're not alone, that we care about them and that um, the community cares about them. And we mm-hmm. hear consistently that that is really, really meaningful for the people receiving our meals. Mm-hmm. It's going, a really lovely, loving exchange. It is. And yeah. going through a, a serious health challenge can be isolating. It can be scary. And so right. we want to be there to provide that support. We are, we're here for you. Most of the meals that are prepared in the series community project are actually prepared by teenagers. Yes. So um, from the time we started, we've centered teens at at the core of our program. We have a really beautiful, I think it's a really beautiful and inspiring operating principle around youth, which is that young people are intelligent, responsible, capable, creative, caring, and they must be central participants in shaping our collective future. Mm -hmm. 
And I think right now, over the last year in particular, we have seen that over and over again, how young people are really stepping up to tackle the most pressing um, social and environmental problems that our world is facing and um, that they are really key to the future. And so we look to empower that at Ceres. And the way that we do that is, is through food, but we know from talking to teens who have been through the program and are on the other side of it, that it impacts um, so much more than their food choices. Mm-hmm. So um, giving them leadership roles in the kitchen and the gardens, I think helps them to develop agency and um, having, having them be a, a part of an experience like series where we've grown over the past 14 years, where they can be part of something where we've um, produced a million meals to impact people's lives and having a team here directly from a client, you saved my life as mm-hmm. so many of our teens have. Mm-hmm. It gives them a, a real sense of the change they can create in the world. Yeah. And so on a really practical day-to-day basis, when the team comes into the kitchen or garden, they are the ones who are doing all the main jobs uh, in those sites. And our staff and adult volunteers are there to support and mentor them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing things like take the, taking the lead on a recipe, looking around for what needs to be done, and just doing it without being asked, mm-hmm. welcoming new teens into, mm-hmm. the, um, into the experience, showing them around, making sure they feel comfortable. Um, and when a teen has been here for six months, they get a green apron or um, a garden um, uh, apron that has their name embroidered on it. And that tells everybody who's in on the site with them, oh, they've got a green apron. They know what they're doing. I can ask them a question. But it also shows them, we see you. We see that you've committed a significant amount of time. Um, and we appreciate what you're doing for the community here. And then after a teen has been with Ceres for about a year, they can apply to become a team leader. And there's a whole self-assessment matrix that they fill out that was developed by other teens. Um, And if they're not quite ready yet, then we help them to make a plan to develop the skills that they need. And if they are, they get a chef's coat or a hat with their name embroidered on it that they can wear, which is a big moment. Mm -hmm. Um, They speak in public um, for us. They can sit on our youth advisory council. They can become full voting members of our board of directors. We reserve two seats for youth. Um, so they have all of these beautiful ways that they can continue to contribute. But, um, so in addition to those leadership skills, we want every team to know how to just cook a healthy meal from scratch, right? Um, yeah. how to garden, mm-hmm. uh, how to, but they gain a lot of soft job skills. Uh, we tell them it's really important that you show up on time. We're expecting you. You're an important part of the team. How do you find these fabulous teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of different ways. And I think it's still the case now as it was when I first started the series as a volunteer in 2010. And I went to my first volunteer orientation and there were adults like me and youth sitting around in a big circle in one of our original kitchens. And um, everybody had to share. So what brings you here tonight? And quite a few of the youth said, my mother told me I had to come, (laughs) but not everybody. So there's still that like um, parents, um, you know, gently pushing their, their youth to um, try a new experience. But Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of, um, I heard about it from a peer. I heard about it from a classmate or mm-hmm. um, my sibling volunteered or my friend, neighbor, father, relative received meals from series. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to give back. Um, many uh, 
high schools and even some middle schools have community service requirements. Right. And so we yeah. do outreach to all the schools in the area to let them know that we have an amazing youth development program. And so oftentimes teens will hear about it from school. Mm-hmm. So a, a huge variety of sources. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are the reasons why they tell us they come. They, they, they come and then why they stay is oftentimes just because they have such a good time and mm-hmm. it's um, one of the best parts of their week. They get a chance to connect with people from all over the community, from different ages and different backgrounds. And so I think in our kitchens, whether whether we're adults or youth, we just gain a, um, a greater understanding for all of the gifts that different people bring to the table and how can, we can all work together towards a common goal, which mm-hmm. is really beautiful in what can otherwise sometimes seem like a pretty divisive society. Mm-hmm. It's very unifying. Yes. One of your major missions in the Series Community Project is to have and support healthy outcomes for your clients. Yes, definitely. And there is an increasing body of evidence that is growing every year that meals that are medically appropriate for people who are going through an illness really can change health outcomes and they can have a big impact on the bottom line costs for healthcare systems. And so we... um, we are going to always continue to do our grassroots, grassroots direct service work, that core mission of engaging teens to nourish our neighbors through illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want to open series community, community project locations all around the world ourselves. So how are we going to scale our impact? Well, the way that, we've, um, the way that we're doing that is largely through working on policy issues. Mm-hmm. So we've been part of a number of studies and pilots that are looking at how do people's healthcare outcomes, health outcomes and healthcare costs change when we provide medically tailored meals. Mm-hmm. Medically tailored meal just means something that is designed by an RDN to meet the specific nutritional diet that needs of somebody who's going through something like diabetes, right. congestive heart failure, chronic kidney disease, cancer. Many of those illnesses and really, um, the outcomes can change depending on what kind of food we eat. I think the one that mm-hmm. most people can relate to most directly is diabetes. Totally. You know, when you get a diet, when you're pre-diabetic, when you get diagnosed with diabetes, you have to you know, pretty radically change your diet unless you want to become dependent on, on medical intervention. Mm-hmm. And if you can make a, a radical change in your diet, it can, for a lot of people, make a, a big difference in well they feel and the progression of their disease. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there, there are studies now that show that um, when people have gotten complete medical nutrition therapy, these medically tailored meals for six months, it decreases their overall health care costs by 32%. And we have all heard how much health care costs in the United States that we have one of the highest per capita costs. And our outcomes aren't really that good compared to other mm-hmm. some other countries that are spending less. So food, you know, food is cheap, and healthcare is not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, relatively, relatively speaking, yeah. right. So uh, that's an interesting proposition. Um, there's also sometimes you know, we can end up in the hospital in the emergency department if we're eating foods that aren't good for us. And there's an interesting thing that happens where. At the end of every month, 
studies show that emergency department admissions go up. And why might that be? The end of the month. When people snap, benefits start to run out. Mm-hmm. When they get at the beginning of the month, they, um, people are um, living the supplemental nutrition assistance program. Right. When that starts to run out, then people still have to eat, right? Mm-hmm. And in our society, um, the cheapest food tends to be the food that is the least expensive or the least helpful for you. The most processed. Yeah, the most right. processed, the most high in unhealthy fats, the most high in sodium. If you're living with a um, congestive heart failure diagnosis, you really have to watch your intake of both of those things, sodium mm-hmm. and you know, saturated fat. Right. That kind of food that's filled with those things is relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And so um, people turn to those sorts of foods, they start to retain fluid, they end up back in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, where that 63% reduction. And under the Affordable Care Act, I mean, hospitals and insurers, there's a, there is a financial motivation to avoid those sort of reductions to the hospital. Um, right. Medically tailored meals have also been shown to uh, increase uh, adherence to prescription medications by 50%. People mm-hmm. are more likely to take their medicines as prescribed, which can also help to control health outcomes. So those are three statistics that have come out of the body of research so far. I don't think that we thought 14 years ago that we were going to be doing research studies and pilots right. on how these sorts of meals would change people. But we definitely had like a bit of a radical notion about we want to change the food system. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to turn it upside down. And we would love to to see, I remember us having these conversations early on, that doctors would start to prescribe healthy food. And that's not solely through series efforts by any means, but um, through the efforts of a lot of organizations like series, that is starting to happen. It's mm-hmm. actually starting to happen, which is so exciting. Totally. Yeah. Because that feedback to the legislature and um, the society at large, it really can impact everything. I mean, if everybody has access to healthy foods, then health will absolutely improve. It's a kind of a great that you guys are doing the actual science behind it <laughs> to show that and to weave it into the, the places that can make the actual institutional changes. Yeah, it's a big equity issue as well. Absolutely. So, so often, um, the, if you look at the people who have access to healthy food, it, it is not equitable in mm-hmm. society. We've heard of social determinants of health. Healthy food access is um, one of those things. There's a there's a saying that in terms of um, the longevity of your life and your um, the fullness of your life, your zip code is more important than your genetic code. Well, yeah. so that's one of the things that we can really address if we as a society invest in healthy food. Mm-hmm. As an organic farmer myself, I find it really, really satisfying to know that part of part of what makes your food really healthy and what's influencing those health outcomes is your involvement in having organic food and organic farm connections as part of the series community project. Yes, that's inspiring to me too. And um, earlier we got a chance to walk through one of our two gardens and it is such a beautiful place and such a beautiful testament to um, diversity and vibrance and how um, 
you need to pay attention to the whole ecosystem. The garden is ringed with a beneficial insect border of perennial plants. And um, as I mentioned, it's a place where teens get to come and spend um, a beautiful, grounding, nourishing part of every week. And mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, it's important that we all maintain our connection to the natural world. And the garden gives us a great way to get teens and adults out there and staff too. I get to go out there a lot. Um, I talked earlier about our um, triple bottom line that we're choosing mm -hmm. things that are best for individuals, community, and the planets. Mm -hmm. And def definitely organics is where we take a big stand about that. Mm -hmm. So we, we grow a lot in the garden. It's nowhere near, um, you know, just it's a drop in the bucket really in mm -hmm. um, the amount of food that we bring into our kitchens every week. So we purchase a lot of too, too mm -hmm. and we look to support local organic farms. Mm -hmm. um, we also work with Veritable Vegetables out of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. They have a big, big commitment to organics and local. And so yes. through them, we're able to really direct our purchasing to, to local farms. And um, we believe that a resilient local food system is very important. And that's one thing that we talk with teens in, about in the garden and give them a direct experience of. The gardens are actually also used as a learning lab, as an opportunity for people to come and learn about how to do organic gardening. So there's there's both the providing of the, the organic produce for the meals, but then there's this whole other added benefit of teaching people how to garden for themselves and and community. I mean, gardening is really a community effort. Yep, it's like those old-fashioned barn raisings mm -hmm. <laughs> in our garden. Mm -hmm. Yes, education is definitely woven into everything we do from the client meal bags where there's a nutrition bite with a recipe and some information about a key ingredient and what its health benefits are mm. to um, the teen circles. Every teen shift has a half hour break where um, we do an, an education topic. It could be around nutrition education and how to read labels. It could be meeting a client face to face and hearing about them um, sharing the mutual experience of cooking or receiving meals. Um, it could be about uh, composting and um, what's the benefits of soil and what healthy soil provides. And, and then we offer classes out in the community. And um, when the pandemic isn't going on at Sonoma and Marin County Library branches, and then through local health clinics. And all of those classes are designed to be open just to the community in general, to our mm -hmm. volunteers, our clients, but just anyone in the community who wants to learn more mm -hmm. about the connections between our personal health and the food choices we make. We also talk about um, wellness and lifestyle things like taking time chewing your third your food thoroughly that mm. um that when we're under stress it can impact our digestion and ability to absorb nutrients so we talk about those um sorts of things well as well we'll do moments of mindfulness we talk about gratitude we talk about imagining and envisioning um uh the health how, what would you, how healthy you would like to be and why what's your motivation for that because behavior change is hard. So we talk a little bit about that as well. Mm -hmm. In addition to just um, the topics, which are things like uh, managing inflammation and controlling blood sugar, how to eat healthfully on a, um, on a budget, um, how to make good cho choices when you're at a holiday party. Remember mm -hmm. those with mm -hmm. all of the um, array of <laughs> foods that it's hard to, um, right. hard to limit yourself on. Mm -hmm. All kinds of topics like those. And we do cooking demonstrations and have questions and answers. Right now, all those classes are happening virtually mm -hmm. online. 
which is kind of great because um, that removes some barriers if, for our clients who haven't been, who maybe don't feel well enough to go out to a class or they don't live in the exact location where that class is offered. Mm. Anybody can now access that programming and our classes are available on a sliding scale, starting at free because we really believe that everybody should have access to that kind of information. It's like a silver lining of COVID. Yes, right. There are many. There have been there many have been silver many, linings yeah. to COVID. It's good. it's important to remember those as we kind of start to move um, past that. There have been some silver linings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of this episode, um, when I roll the credits, I'll give more information about how you can find those classes and be in touch with the series project. The series community project is a local community project, but you really have taken on the task of training and sharing this model so that you can have other communities also use the same concept in their own respective communities. Yes, we have. And and that really came about just because of people asking. We published not long after we launched our first cookbook, Mm -hmm. um, Nourishing Connections Cookbook. And uh, our clients and volunteers and community members started buying that cookbook and shipping it all over the place. And, mm. and the cookbook um, had recipes, but it also has our story, our vision, um, you know, our, our operating principles. And those were inspiring to a lot of people who were, re- who were reading that book. And we started receiving emails and phone calls. I want to do something like this in, um, in Buffalo, New York. I want to open one of these in um, Nashville. And... Uh, so we started an informal process of, of saying, well, come on out and follow us around for a few days. And it didn't take long for that to develop into a little bit more um, intentional and rigorous program. And so mm-hmm. we now have an affiliate partner network and n- new members can come and be on site with us for four days of complete um, training of everything from soup to nuts of what is series all about, where mm-hmm. we share our best practices um, how uh, how we recruit volunteers, everything from um, filling out your nonprofit paperwork to managing volunteers to engaging youth to our food philosophy, fundraising, communications, um, and the whole gamut. Yeah. The whole gamut, because yeah. there is so much that I think a lot of times people uh, they don't realize all that is um, involved in in running a nonprofit. So it's both um, help, helping them to succeed by helping them to understand what they're taking on, but then giving them the tools um, mm-hmm. as well as best we can. So we kind of have an open source philosophy. Um, we don't want anybody, any other community to have to reinvent what we learned over the years. And then I think what's really beautiful is that those projects have gone back and launched. Um, there are eight of them in the formal affiliate partner network now. And we have this community of learning where we meet once a month. Um, We talk through issues that are coming up at the various sites. Um, We talk through goals. Right now, we're all working on developing our first cookbook together um, through the affiliates. And um, the answers don't always come from series. You know, sometimes they come from any one of the affiliates. And so together, we are continuing to learn and grow and um, have a huge impact across the country. We've even got an affiliate in Denmark now. Far-reaching. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for sharing about the Series Community Project and for the, the vast network that you guys are creating about how people can help heal themselves and how people can help heal other people and heal the earth. And 
this interconnected web that's being nurtured around uh, true healing. Thank you, Maureen. It was a pleasure to be with you today. And I really appreciate all the inspiring stories you're sharing through the podcast and helping people learn more about series and how they can get involved. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Atura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, maureenatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to maureenatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries describing each episode. I'm on social media, and you can follow me on Facebook on my page, Maureen Atura Author, and you can follow me on Instagram at author Maureen Atura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash to see a video of the series community project garden and kitchen in Sebastopol, California. The song for this episode was an original composition by Daniel Fry. You can contact the series project for more information about how to sign up for the meal program or to volunteer for the kitchen and gardens. You can visit www.seriesproject.org. You can follow the handle at series community project on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can contact the project directly by emailing them at info at seriesproject.org. You can also call 707-829-5833. This 18th episode of The Positive Fantastic has been brought to you on the new moon. I hope you'll join us on the next full moon when I interview local natural builder Blair Phillips about earth stewardship. Cheers and may your journeying be fantastic. Fantastic.